Um, I'm kicking off a new series uh, for for this morning. I, I like trying the best I can to have a separate summer series because just as much as many of you are in and out for summer, so are we in and out for summer, and it, you don't want to have something that requires you week after week being on top of things, that it's okay to jump in and out while uh, you're on vacation and I'm on vacation. And so uh, one of the things I wanted to spend our time doing in this summer series uh, for our Sunday mornings uh, is talking about how to have faith uh, when in the furnace. And the idea of it is is a series that would help us and encourage us in how to live out your faith and how to be courageous in your faith when living in a society or a culture that is resolutely <clears throat> against God. Uh, how can we practice our faith in a way that is God-honoring uh, when the world seems to be standing against that kind of faith? And so that's ultimately what our series then is going to be about. And the majority of our studies will come from various passages in First Peter because Peter is writing to Christians who are experiencing that very thing. They are going through suffering because of their faith. And, and throughout that book, you, you will see these pictures of how he describes they're supposed to live out their faith when it feels that everything is coming against you or when you are being persecuted or when you are suffering for righteousness sake. So the, the title of today's lesson is that we do not belong. And that is going to be the highlight of what we're going to talk about this morning is ultimately we do not belong. You'll notice in our reading, and we are in the reading, I know for the last past few weeks I have been tricking you and we've been reading one thing and jumping somewhere else. We're back to the, the reading, First Peter chapter 2, and in, and in verse 11, Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against your soul. I want you to see, as Peter gives this instruction, the first picture is one of identity. And identity is really important. It is something that, that God is constantly doing for us in scriptures, is trying to tell us who we are. Here's who you are as the people of God and why that matters. And you'll notice the picture that's given for us here is that we are described as strangers and exiles or sojourners or pilgrims, depending on your translation. We are pictured as people who do not belong here. And the reason why identity is so important, in fact, the book begins with identity back in chapter 1 and verse 1 through 3, that introduction. He does the same thing, describing them as exiles is because if you know who you are, then that will change how you live. Uh, you have to know your identity. And knowing who you are will dictate how you live. And so it is interesting that Peter's picture of identity for the Christians is you need to recognize you are strangers, you are outsiders, you are sojourners, you're exiles, you're pilgrims. We simply do not belong here. And I think that if you think about that picture, there is an implication in that picture. Because if you say that you don't belong here, then I think immediately the question is, well, well then where do we belong, right? There must be some other place. If you say we're strangers here, then where's home? If we're exiles here, then where are we not exiles? And immediately this kind of picture reminds us that 
there must be a perspective of eternity. Eternity is a required perspective if we're going to have a mentality that says, I don't belong here. And if I say that I forget eternity and forget that I do not belong here, then ultimately what's going to happen is I'm going to live for this world. As soon as I forget eternity, as soon as I forget where I belong, as soon as I forget where home is, then I'm going to start living here as if here is home, as if here is where I belong. And so Peter is giving us a, 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 such an important picture that we don't belong here, but we have been made for another place. And I hope that would be really the first picture that would resonate for you. We're not home, and we've been made for another place, that we're strangers here. This isn't the final place. This isn't where we belong. But we are looking forward to going home. We are looking forward to another place. And we must live then in that identity, to live in that way. And you'll notice in verse 11 that he really does give us that picture of what that looks like to live with this new identity. In verse 11, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against your soul. I hope that picture will, will be very important to you, is that since you do not belong here, then you can't live like you're from here. If you don't belong here, if this is not home, then we cannot act like we do belong here. We cannot act like this is home. And I want you to notice that what he does is he describes this as a battle. Did you see that in verse 11? That we have these passions and desires that are waging war against your soul. Okay. Do you feel like you're in a battle with your desires? He says, yeah. One of the things I want you to catch in Peter saying that is that you have these desires and passions that are waging war against your soul. Is that when we have this battle that we feel going on of what we know we ought to do in terms of righteousness and obedience, and yet we have these passions and desires that are calling to us and pulling us and seem to be waging war against us, I want you to hear Peter say, there's not something wrong with you. He says that passions and desires are waging war against your soul. In fact, if I may be so bold to argue that if you don't feel the passions and the desires waging war against your soul, that there may actually be something wrong that you have given in to those passions and desires and there's no longer a battle. It's just you've laid down and said, okay, I'm going to do whatever I want. I think it is such an important picture that's given to us in this, this imagery that there is a battle going on. And you feel that battle as you try to do what is right. You will engage that and it's waging war against you. It is battling against you as you try to be right and faithful before God. And one of the things that I think is critical about that is what happens is right now in our culture, our culture says, 
whatever your desire, whatever your passion is, that's what you should do. And I want you to hear Peter say, no, you don't want to do that. In fact, those are waging war against your soul. Those are not helpful to you. They are not for you. They are not for your eternity or for your eternal life. They're battling against the soul. And so we can't just go, well, since I have a desire that makes it right and I'm going to do it. Here he says, I urge you because you do not belong here. Strangers, foreigners, exiles, to understand that this battle is waging against you, to understand the battle that is before you. Now, let's do something very important here. Don't just simply read this as talking about sexual temptation, because those are not the only passions and desires that are waging war against our souls. It is so often that we will zero it down into one specific area and miss all of the other areas in which our spiritual lives are under assault. This is also talking about we're not going to speak evil of other people. We're not going to vent our anger. We're going to have self-control. We are not going to engage in selfish thinking. We're not going to have selfish ambition or assert ourselves. We're not going to be full of envy or jealousy. We're not going to be full of drunkenness. We're not going to have idols in our heart. We're not going to be divisive. We're going to love our neighbors as ourselves. We're not going to cause strife. Everything the New Testament talks about of the things that are sinful are also a part of this. The reason we do those kinds of things is because it is also fleshly. And they are also waging war against us. And so when it comes to anger or selfish ambition or strife or whatever it is, understand what Peter is saying. That's waging war against your soul. And I'm urging you because you do not belong here to fight against that. That's the reason for the battle. We do not belong here. And so therefore we will not participate in those things. We will not give ourselves over to those things. And again, the world says, go right ahead. If you're mad at somebody, let them have it. You know, dog eat dog world. You're number one. You got to think about you first and you just knock out anybody you want to knock out. Selfish ambition is praised in our culture. Make yourself number one. Put yourself on top. All of these areas that God comes along and says, no, that is sinful and waging war against us are things that we have to be able to fight against and understand that that is waging war against our souls. In fact, notice the word that is used there in verse 11. It says there, dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain. He doesn't say to dabble in from time to time. On occasion, you've been good this week, so go ahead. You know, I've controlled anger for six days. It's okay on day seven to let one go, and then I'll get back on the wagon again. No, it's abstain. There's no dabbling. There's no on occasion. 
These things are waging war against your soul. And so he gives you the picture and says, I need you to abstain from these things because you don't belong here. This is not your home. You're looking forward for the home to come. And so you can't act like you're from here. So abstain in those areas. Abstain from the passions and the desires that come from this flesh and from this earthly life. Stay away from those things. And where he's going to lead us in verse 12 is is very important because this picture is ultimately trying to tell you and I that when we give in to these passions and desires of the flesh, we are ultimately nullifying our God-given purpose. We're just outright nullifying it. We're making it impossible for us to be what God wants us to be in this world. Watch how he does that in verse 12. Verse 12, he reads, Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles, so that when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works and will glorify God on the day he visits. All right, there's a lot to talk about there. A lot to talk about there. Notice this this picture that is given to us in, in verse 12. I want you to live honorably honorably. And so I threw up some synonyms from the Greek there just to get a sense of what this looks like. We are supposed to to be living honorable, pure, beautiful, holy, good lives in the world. Conduct your life, live your life in this way, that it would be honorable in the world. And friends, I think that is so important if we understand our purpose as the salt of the earth and as the light of the world, then obviously we need to live in such a way that reflects it. That's why we have to abstain from the passions and the desires that are warring against our souls is because we've been called to a purpose. We don't belong here. We belong for eternity. We're looking forward to eternity. And we're showing that in the way that we live our lives. We're living these good and honorable lives. So we are not speaking ugly to people about people. We are not slanderers. We're not angry. We're not complainers. We're not selfish. We're not haters. We don't look like the world. Live honorably in the world. Keep your lives honorable among people. That is the picture that is given to us. And the reason why this is so important is stated in verse 12. Live honorably so that when they slander you as evildoers. Notice something here. This is going to happen. You are going to live honorable lives and people are going to slander you for being honorable people live your life for God live your life because you belong to God and you belong for eternity and you are abstaining from these passions and desires and in doing so people are going to resist you People are going to speak evil of you. They are going to slander you. They are going to accuse you of being a wrongdoer because of your faith. 
They are going to accuse you of being an evildoer because you tell people, actually, God says there is sin and judgment. You're going to be evil. You're going to be called an evildoer. You will be accused and slandered for that. Peter is telling us that's going to happen. Here we are telling people you need to repent to come to God. You're going to get in trouble for that. You're going to tell people, no, there are things that we can't do. We're supposed to abstain from passions and desires. There's going to be resistance to that. And I hope that you would sense that Peter does not spend an awful lot of time talking about that. That's just an assumed. It's something we're going to have to grow comfortable with. We haven't been used to that. First century Christians were used to it all the time. He can just throw it in a blurb. It's part of a, a parenthetical of the, what he's about to say. He just goes, and when they slander you and speak evil of you, and you were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Nobody should be talking bad about me. Yeah, they will. Yeah, they will. Get ready. Get used to it. As you abstain from the passions and the desires of the flesh and uphold faith and do what is right and stand on the word of God and do what God says and confess Jesus and profess your faith, they're going to call you evil. And if they do, there's nothing wrong that's happened. Peter says that's what's going to happen. Prepare yourself. Faith in the furnace. People are going to challenge you and call you wrong. And say you're evil. And say you are messed up. You've got it all backward. How could you possibly believe what you believe? How could you possibly say what you say? How could you possibly teach what you teach? That can't be right. Peter says, yeah, that's right. That's going to happen. That's right. They are going to call you evildoers. But I want you to notice... What he tells us here, how are we supposed to combat this? Look at the rest of verse 12. What's the response? Verse 12, they will observe your good works and glorify God on the day he visits. Did you already said? All right. Conduct yourselves honorably, staying from passions and desires, live with the other world in mind. Don't be like this world, but be honorable in all of your conduct so that when they say you are evil and wrong, you are going to not validate that by how you've lived. They are going to say all kinds of terrible things about you, but people are going to look at your life and say that doesn't match. And I think that is such an important picture that is being given to us here is that ultimately what we are going to do is disprove their charge by our behavior. If you've been with us on Sunday night, we have seen the Apostle Paul do that frequently. The Apostle Paul has charges laid at him over and over and over again. From chapter 21 on of Acts, it's charges and charges and charges. He did this and he did this and he did this. And you want to know what the apostle keeps doing? He just says, I've lived my life honorably before God and all people. My life does not reflect what you're saying. 
You're saying all kinds of things, but you don't see it in me. That's what Peter is saying. Our behavior is supposed to then not match what they say. Now, that's a really big deal because please think about this. If they say all kinds of things about how you are evil and they're right. Then how's it going to go? If we are caving in to the passions and the desires. Then when they say. We are wrong and we're evil. We won't be living lives that refute that. I think that is such an important picture is that we live in such a way so that our behavior counteracts their words. And that's why what the Apostle Paul was doing in Acts was so important, that we would be able to live our lives in such a way to be able to say before any human being, or before any court or any government, I have lived my life in good conscience before God and before all people. That's what Peter says has to happen. We live our lives honorably before the world so that when they slander us for our faith, it won't match what our lives look like. We will be discrediting their charges. In fact, you will notice how much it disproves their charges by noticing the end of verse 12 when he says, not only are they going to observe your good works, but he says, it's going to actually change some people's minds. They might actually glorify God after they look at your life. They say, that's an evildoer. Then they look at your life and go, That doesn't match. It is fascinating to read about some church history of Christians and how that very thing happened, of how their honorable lives were able to counteract the charges that were made against them as they were being persecuted to such a degree that it caused other people to come to faith. And that's what Peter is talking about, is that you're going to live your life so different That while they say and accuse all kinds of nasty, awful things about your faith and and how you believe in God and what you're trying to do, your life is not going to allow that to happen. And I hope that we would hear what Peter is telling us is that our actions are either going to validate what they say or refute it. They're going to say these kinds of things. They're going to slander is what Peter says. And your life can either validate what they say or your life can refute what they say. And I think that's such an important point that has to be made for us is because, friends, we can't fight fire with fire. That's not our call. And that's part of that passion of the flesh. That's exactly what we want to do. (laughs) We want to fight right back. You say that, I'm going to fight right back. And we cannot do that. We cannot return slander for slander. We're not engaging in a war of words. What we are going to do is live an honorable life. So we, they cannot see in us an angry person, a person full of hate, a person who causes problems, a person who is slanderous. They cannot see that in us. They need to see in us people who live honorably before God and before all people. 
That is what we have to do, which ultimately means while they are accusing us, we keep doing good. That's what we have to get our minds around. While they keep accusing us and slandering us and challenging our faith, our response is to simply keep doing good. Our response is to continue to abstain from the sinful desires and the passions of the flesh. Our goal is to still be honorable before all people. And the reason why is so important. We're living for the world to come. We're not living for here. We're living for the world to come. And so they can say all those things. We're not engaging. We're just going to keep doing what is right. We are going to keep living honorably. We've been studying Sunday nights in the book of Acts. You have to be amazed by the Apostle Paul who does not engage back. He does not fight fire with fire. He doesn't say, all right, we're going to have a war of words. Let me sharpen up my my tongue and I'm going to come after you. He just keeps proclaiming Jesus. He keeps doing what's right. He keeps showing light. It is so important that we let our good works speak for themselves. Let our good works speak for themselves so much so that when people make accusations, those accusations won't make any sense. That's what Peter says. That when they say things, other people are going to go, well, that's not the Brent that I know. That's not the person I know. That doesn't add up. You can say all those things, but I haven't seen any of those things. That is what is supposed to be happening as we do this process of living for God is showing the world that their accusations about who Jesus is and what that does for the people of God is absolutely wrong. We're in a culture right now that is trying to deconstruct everything about God and Christianity because it's the reason for all of society's problems. And if we could strip all of that out, it would all just be so much better. And what we're doing is saying, actually, we're enjoying the better life and you're the ones that are having the problems because you've stripped God out of everything. We have to live that shows that. We live in that light and we show that. Not by fighting fire with fire, but by living differently and showing, well, that's not what we are. And that that be the light bulb to them. Well, wait a minute. I keep saying those things about Christians and all of that, but I don't see that in their lives. That's what Peter wants out of us. So applications, three, three parts. Number one, how are we going to live in a world that's rejecting and resistant to God? Number one, we have to keep in mind our hope is not here. 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 We do not belong. We do not belong. We do not belong. We like to sing those songs, but then sometimes we forget that we do not belong. We are not here. It is not about here. It is about the world to come. It is about eternity. We are strangers here. We're just passing through. It's just a temporary stop along the way to eternity. And so we do not belong. That is our big reminder. And so we will abstain from the worldly desires and passions of the flesh and engage in that battle that is warring for our souls because we want eternity. We, we want to be with him. So we engage in that battle and we abstain. 
So keep your eyes on home. And let me remind you of this first point. Every single day is one day you're closer to home. Every single day, you're one day closer to the home where you belong. Number two, our conduct can cause those who speak against you as evildoers to glorify God. That's what God wants. God wants our conduct to be such that it is going to nullify what people say about Christians. Just absolutely nullify it. Live honorably before all people. And I want us to remember that our behavior, what we say and what we do, can absolutely nullify the gospel. What we say and do can absolutely nullify the teachings of Christ and nullify the glory of God. Do you remember one of God's great complaints against the nation of Israel that the prophets would bring up again and again is that God said the problem is their behavior is causing the nations to blaspheme God. And that's why God had to deal with Israel. Israel was supposed to be a light to the nation, salvation to the ends of the earth. And rather than that happening, they caused the world to blaspheme God. We are in the exact same situation. We either can shine as a light, live honorably among people and point people to Jesus or completely nullify the gospel. Because we don't live honorably and cause them to blaspheme God all the more and say, see, my charges about them are right. But rather what's supposed to happen is that we live in such a way that it causes people to go, the charge and the life don't match. All I see is good in them. All I see are are good things. I don't see the charge. I don't see the evil. We are the ones who are bouncing that back and causing the glory of God to be on display and confirming the glory of the gospel in our lives, not discrediting the gospel. And so our conduct is all the more important, which leads really to the big idea of it all. How many times do the scriptures have to remind us that we were made for good works? It's it's why we're here. You have the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 that we were created in Christ Jesus for good works. We're told in Titus 2 and in verse 7 as well as in verse 14 that we're supposed to be eager to do good works and set an example before others. Or I will use then the other thing that he tells to Titus when he says, the saying is trustworthy and I want you to insist on these things. Here's what he's insisting. That those who have believed in God, is that us? That those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. If we believe in God and we consider ourselves followers of him, Then he says, be careful to devote yourself to live honorably in the world, doing good works, 
so that when they say all kinds of evil stuff, it won't be validated. And some will even glorify God on the day he visits. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we confess to you that it is of such a great difficulty at times to live righteously and honorably when under accusation, when our faith is challenged, when things that are said against us are ultimately untrue, and that things can be said against us because of our faith and devotion to you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen our faith and strengthen our hearts to abstain from the passions that war against us. Lord, keep us from sexual temptations. Keep us from anger. Keep us from selfish ambition. Keep us from pride. Keep us from division. Keep us from all of the things that you have called us to stay away from, Lord, that so often creep up within our hearts and display themselves in our lives and in our mouths. And Lord, we pray that you would encourage us and strengthen us to just live honorably in the world around us. Lord, help us to shine as light. Help us to shine in such a way so that people see our good deeds and help us to be careful as we do that, that we would live in an honorable way that shows your glory and goodness Help us to live our lives that shows the beauty of the gospel, shows the beauty of who you are. Let us help the world see that a life lived for you is a wonderful life. And let the world see in us, Lord, that we are living for eternity, that we are all strangers here, that we don't belong. Help us to live in that light so that people will see you and glorify God ultimately when your son returns. Lord, forgive us for when we have not done what we see the Apostle Peter teaching us to do. Forgive us for the times we have not lived honorably, that we have not kept our conduct holy before outsiders. Lord, forgive us for when those kinds of sins have been present in our lives. And Lord, I pray that in the days ahead, we would be far more faithful in our efforts to be doing good works, to be honorable, to not fight fire with fire, but instead glorify you in all that we say and do. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that gives you an idea of a taste of the things that we'll be talking about over the summer, of how we can live honorably before God during hard times. And we encourage you this morning to think about where you are in your walk with God and life with God. Can we help you uh, in your journey with him to turn away from sin, to follow him with all of your heart? to confess Jesus to be the Son of God who came to this world, who died for your sins. Be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins. We want to help you in any way possible. Uh, Would you just let us know afterward or you can come forward while we stand and while we sing.